I'm David W. Berner, and this is The Writer's Shed. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to episode 18 of the Writer's Shed podcast from Writer's Shed Press, an indie publisher just outside Chicago with its offices inside an 8x10 writing shed on the property of its founder, me. And the shed today on this rainy morning. I love the shed on these days, really. It's uh, damp out there. It's that smell of leaves and rain, that comforting smell, really, reminding me of a, like a cabin in the woods somewhere or, you know, maybe a an old cottage by the sea after the storm has passed. Candle lit, coffee in hand here. The morning also reminds me of the comfort of a good cafe. And that's our subject this time around. The cafe, the creative literary cafe, those places of thought and writing and contemplation and conversation. They've inspired for centuries. But what is it that makes a great literary cafe? What is that all about? I think of Vesuvio in San Francisco, the beat generation hanging out there, and Francis Ford Coppola loved the place, too. Cafe Central in Vienna, part of the famed Viennese coffeehouse culture. There's Le Deux Magots in Paris, a haunt of the lost generation, and Rimbaud. And today, we focus on an old and a new cafe, an old and relatively new one. First, Cafe Reggio in New York City. A legendary place for writers and musicians, old world, classic, hanging on with the pride of its iconic past. But first, a newish cafe in Chicago, and I use that term newish really lightly here. It has made the list of the great literary cafes in Patti Smith's wonderful artistic memoir, M Train. Lula Cafe in the Logan Square neighborhood of Chicago. Thrilled to have the owner, Jason Hamill, with us here today, who we caught up with as he was working on a draft of a cookbook he's writing. Jason Hamill of Lula Cafe. So, Jason, I'm catching you while you're, you look a little haggard, I have to tell you. I haven't seen you on video. There's a reason for that, though. You're writing, trying to finish a book on time for uh, it's it's a cookbook, right? Cookbook? It's a cookbook, yep. Yeah. yeah, that would make sense. So, tell me, can you tell me anything about it yet? Um, well, I mean, I, I guess I can, I mean, you're a writer. Um, I thought I was going to be a writer when I was in my twenties. So it was in my, always in the cards that I played for myself. So it's, yeah. un, you know, unusual to get to the point at this stage of my life and it to be a cookbook. So, um, I mean, it's obviously full of recipes, um, yeah. but I'm trying to make it about, um, I mean, it's writerly. I'm trying to be the person that um, looks at food and 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 explains what he's thinking about when he's creating it and cooking it and both both from a, like not just like technical place but from a aesthetic and like uh, personal story narrative space. Sure. So you know I, I'm really just starting out. So it's a creative endeavor. I mean to yeah. do what you do. I mean there's no question about that. My son is does this kind of work too that you do sim- similar kind of work and he you know he says it all the time he says it's it's creation it, so it is. i get that i think a lot about um when we're when i'm doing the work like I, there's a lot of um these there are a lot of moments that are that are personal uh, they're not necessarily about um stories that have happened to me but i i pick up on things that experiences in my life so i'm trying to um, connect that with seasonality in this book. So okay, yeah. season, you know, this, the work that we do is the, you know, it's very seasonal. So we might, you know, pick an ingredient one day for a couple of days because it's at its prime at that moment. 
Uh, it's very fleeting. It's ephemeral. It happens and goes as life does. So I'm trying to pick certain moments in my past that have connection to the, to the cooking or to the food and connect them literally to moments in time that um, would reference certain vegetables or fruits that we're using. It's like personal essay with meat. Exactly. Or, you know, yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, I get it. Yeah. That's, that's marvelous. So that, that makes a lot of sense for what we were, what we were hoping to talk about today. You know, your, uh, your place was mentioned in Patty Smith's M train. And I have to ask you, because the quote, and I, I had it right here for, in a, a moment ago. Um, but the quote is uh, to, she says, she talks about, you know, an unwinding pull of obscure angles, a glass of tea, an open journal and a round metal table balanced with an empty matchbook. Was she talking about your table? Probably. I mean, it was especially, I, I imagine she was there years ago. Uh, yeah. That, I mean, it's great that you're asking me these questions because I, you know, I, just to talk about myself for a second, like I was not uh, set out to be a chef or a restaurant owner at all. Mm-hmm. The reason why I'm here is because of cafe culture and the, um, and the communities that surround it. So I um, just quickly, like my story is that I moved here from, to study writing in the nineties. And, uh, I moved to normal Illinois, um, in 94. Sure. And, um, I did graduate work there for 94, 95. And, um, David Foster Wallace was at normal in at ISU. And that's why I came out wow. here to be a, yeah. to be a writer, to be a writer and study with him. And at ISU, I met someone who was from Chicago and that was the nearest city. Uh, you know, I was done with graduate school. I was going to be, you know, a writer in a city. So I was going to move to Chicago. And he said, you need to go to Logan beach cafe because I know you love cafes. You love writing in cafes. You love meeting people in cafes, which was my life in college. I, you know, both in undergrad and in graduate school, I was a cafe frequenter. So yeah. Providence, Rhode Island, where I went to undergrad, I was at Ocean Coffee every day, meeting people and writing in a journal. And when I went to Normal, I was at um, their coffee shop in downtown Normal every day, working on a book. And then I moved to Chicago and went to Logan Beach Cafe, which is um, where my restaurant is now. Right. It was open opened in the 90s by a... Um, um, a lawyer who got out of the business and wanted to be in a, uh, a different kind of space. Uh, she's amazing. She opened this little artist's coffee shop and I went there on the first day I moved to Chicago and I met my future wife there, um, and all my friends and Logan beach closed and became Lula in 1999. Yeah. It's the first place that I ever went, uh, Mm -hmm. in the city. And in the first moment I was there, I um, um, came across the woman who was to be my wife. And uh, eventually, you know, I started hanging out there. I was writing there every day. And, and, then, uh, and then it became... Then you bought the, the place. Uh, well, it, was, it wasn't even a purchase, really. It was like, I mean, I was working as a cook then just to make ends meet. Yeah. And it was uh, the kind of thing where the woman who owned Logan Beach... Uh, had some family issues with her parents and had to move away and it was going to fall into disrepair. And so my wife and I just were like, we got to save this thing and let's, let's, let's keep it going. And we, we renamed it and, and took it over and it was, I, it just fell into my hands. I can't describe it any other way. So it is a special place has a long history, even beyond me. It's 
22 years old this year, but it goes on another eight years before that. And um, it has some history. And I think people pick up on that. It's not just the matchbook under the table. It's it's all the, the, the passage of time and stories that have happened at those tables. Um, so I think that Patty Smith picked up on that. It is, uh, there, there's something about those cafes and, 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 and Patty Smith talks about it all the time and writes about it all the time, but so many others have, I mean, it runs through like a thread through, especially writers, but creative types of all kinds. I mean, you talk about the cafe society has been around forever. I mean, you know, most famously the, you know, lost generation all for the sure. time, but you know, you, it's been around for centuries. So, but what is it about places like Lula? What, what, what does it, what, why does one place do it and one place do, doesn't, you know what I mean? Give you that, that, that vibe. For sure. I mean, I, I think it's, um, I mean, restaurateurs are always trying to capture what that vibe is, but it's, yeah. it's really, um, it ultimately is about individual story and, and narrative. And if a place does not have a reason to be, um, that is, um, of, of a unique, like provenance. if it, if it wasn't somebody's, you know, like somebody's story, uh, I think you can tell pretty quickly. I mean, people can write great novels, I'm sure in a local Starbucks and in, in a corporate environment, that's more, uh, generic. Yeah. Um, but what we're looking for are these places that seem to have grown up like plants or trees in between stones on a, on pavement, you know, that, that have that, that quality of belonging there. And those don't come from just anywhere. I mean, like the, my story is like very clearly a personal story of, you know, um, of happenstance and being in the right place at the right time, but also around the people that I care about. And I think about it, I, you know, I was 27. I thought I was writing a great novel that I never finished. It, everyone we were around was working on films or, you know, uh, or music projects. We would, you know, go to a loft in Wicker Park to see a screening of, you know, uh, an, an, uh, of an art like that somebody, you know, borrowed from their, you know, university, um, things like that. You know, like it was just a really... It was a time in life where you really um, you didn't have you had a lot of ex- expectation for positive growth and hope, and you didn't need to know everything about what you were doing. It was uh, those are the times that that I think make uh, communities like that flourish, and so they they grow up in certain in certain moments, and and I think that's what happened with Lula. There are several places like that in Chicago, and then oh, yeah, they die yeah. they die off, right? I right. Mean, yeah, they do. But but there's the, there's this. Um... There's this organic nature to them that can't be manufactured. You know, it's like it's no, like, it's like skin on bone, and it's scars and it's blemishes and it's the matchbook under the table and it's, but it's also there's a vibe in the places that work that people leave you alone, like they're not rushing you, they're not moving you, they're not swapping tables. There, there's a vibe about like if you want to live here, I'm cool with that. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of feels yeah. like that. The good ones, yeah. And you want to be in a place. I mean, one of the reasons I used to write or like edit in a cafe was like you want to be in a place where you feel like other people are doing creative work as well. There's yeah. like kind of an energy you pull from that. I mean, right. it's kind of like working out at the gym. You know what I mean? There's other people around you be like, oh, I got to get, you know, I got to lift this weight or whatever. And like when right. you're in a cafe, 
you know, this person's working on this or that person's having a really interesting conversation and, and you feel like the energy of creative, a creative community and it, it spurs you to work. I think, yeah. You know? yeah, I think that's absolutely true. You mentioned a bunch of cafes and places that you frequented and are part of your past and background. Are there places, you know, like cafes, either famous or not, that you've been in that you've like, man, I love that place or a place you want to go to? Oh, I mean, um, there are many. I, um, but I think like times have changed a little bit. Like wine is kind of the new coffee right now. And I think about like, there are these natural wine bars that are, I think, kind of entering into that kind of third space category now. So I think about, um, um, the ones that I want to go to, um, now that are in Europe, there are these natural wine bars that I think look like the kind of place where you could spend an afternoon working on in a journal, having a glass of wine, maybe not coffee. Like that's changed a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I think about like, I, I lived in Bologna for a year when I was in my twenties and there was this like communist cafe near the university where I would go. That was just complete <laughs> chaos. Like you could never, I mean, you, it was hard to, I would sit down sometimes to be there for hours without anybody waiting on me or asking me if I wanted something or making me pay. I would just be sitting there reading. Um, and when I travel, I just look for the places where the, I mean, I'm getting old now, so it's not as easy, but like places where the young people are gathering, you know, cause that's where, that's where the stuff is real. Yeah. Well, Lula is not only the history prior to the new name and, and what you've done with it, but, you know, it's, it's had that vibe and that feel. It's almost, it's in the DNA of the place, it seems. I, um, I think so. I mean, yeah. we actually talk about it now as like a mission statement, you know. Yeah. It's like, it's the thing I, and I have to tell these people who, you know, are very young, some of them who were not born when I opened the restaurant now, um, what the history is and what the purpose is and, and say like, hey, I was 27 when I did this. I didn't know what I was doing. That's kind of the point. That's where there's where the energy comes from. Yeah. It wasn't like I wanted to make money or like this was my concept. And I think that's where like really amazing projects come out. You know what I mean? Whether it's bands or movies or books, like you didn't you didn't like set out to do this conceptually. You just wanted you had something to say or somewhere to be or someone to do something with, and it just happens. Uh, and I try to explain that to some of the young people who just start working there now. You know. Well, I hope they get it because it's you you want places like Lula to to live on uh and have that same vibe and and uh you know when it's in when it's in the dirt, you know, yeah, you hope that it stays there no matter what uh no matter what happens to you or how it changes or whatever. I hope so. Yeah. I mean the pandemic has definitely been the greatest threat. I used to think like getting older was the greatest threat to that, but clearly the pandemic has been a threat to the that nature, you know. Um and even now, when we try to come back, the lack of interaction between humans—this, like we've, you know, it's the space between us has grown so much that it's hard to imagine that kind of energy um, not being threatened right now. But I mean, I have hopes that it it will return, like you know, vegetation or we, it, you know, the analogy before about trees growing in sidewalks. I mean, they can get knocked down and come back too. Yeah, I think so. And and, and Lula's got a, a good, strong generational history to be able to to, to kind of draw on that. To, to it move. does. So, well, you've been delighted to talk to. I, I I just love the place and I love what you're doing. And uh, 
you know, I, I don't want you to lose that spirit, man. Don't lose that. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm not planning on it. So I appreciate that energy. It's been hard. This, this year has been a little tricky in that respect. So um, I can't wait to a time when I see people spending hours there, you know, writing or just reading. I mean, it's great when I see people reading books, just sitting there. Re- that would be my number one thing to do, too, is just go to a cafe and read for a couple hours. Yeah, I know. And I love to see when people are reading books that I want to read and talking about them. It's great. Fantastic. Jason, appreciate it. Good luck with uh, everything, especially with Lula. Everything going Thank on you. With book and all that. So appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Take care. Luda Cafe, again, in Logan Square, the neighborhood in Chicago. It can get crowded on Sundays, we understand, so keep that in mind. And now to a legend, Cafe Reggio, New York City's world-renowned creative cafe and the longtime owner, Fabrizio Cavallacci. My mother bought the place in 1955, and, uh, and she passed away that she was very young. Mm. So I took it over. When I was 15 years old. 15? 15, yes. I was going to school. And uh, I was going to school in Italy. uh, Six months a year. And I used to come over. And I used to run run the place for for six, seven months. How does a 15-year-old get up to speed on running a, a cafe? Well, uh, I used to help out my mother when she was here. So I knew all personnel. I, I knew what, you know, uh, what the management of the place was. Yeah. So you, you felt at home. You were already feeling at home. Yeah, I mean... Uh, and there were more things that I used to do than than my mother. I mean, you've been basically running the place for 50 years, right? Yes. yes. Um, so um, in terms of the kinds of people and things that you've seen in there, I mean, it's a legendary of the people who have come to your cafe. Yes. Yes. A lot of actors, a lot of uh, a, a, a lot of famous people and everything, you know. Which they're still coming, you know. Sure. I hardly know them, but you know, once in a while, I'm told oh, that's the guy that made the the House of Thorns, whatever. <laughs> that's the guy that did, did that's you know. Sure, if I see best enough, man, I do recognize him. Yeah. Al, Al Pacino, I do recognize him, you know, but. A lot of other people, I don't even know who they are. Yeah, but it's pretty amazing the the stretch of time that you've seen. I mean, famous writers, famous musicians uh, that have come yeah. to your place. It's just incredible. Do you do you ever sit back and start naming them all off? Like, oh my God, these no, no, no it doesn't I mean, doesn't cross your mind. Borisnikov. <laughs> oh, Borisnikov, sure, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, he used to come here. Every day he used to live around the corner, mm. you know, and almost every day he used to lose his wallet. <laughs> uh, he, he used to give me his phone number, and I was uh, uh, some sort of a filter for him. 
when people were looking for him, uh, I was supposed to say, I was supposed to relate to him, you know, you want to speak to this person, you want to say, no, no, oh yes, okay, yeah. Yeah, you you were his administrative secretary. (laughs) (laughs) So so you have seen, I mean, you know, uh, Patti Smith, uh, the musician and writer, has been there, and she's written about your place. She's around the corner. Yeah, yeah, does she come there often? She goes to another place, uh, 12 Chairs. Oh, okay. But she's been in your you know, place, and she she's written about she always, your place. Uh, yeah, she always passes by here every morning, and mm. she stays at, at this other place. You know? Yeah, but she loves your place. She's written about it. She loves your place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there have been, you know, some great musicians there, not only Patty, but, you know, Bob Dylan has been in the place, and he just... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's legendary for being there. And... and to you, I mean, to us, to, and to the average guy out here going, oh, my goodness gracious, how can it be, what is in that place that makes all these great creatives want to come there? What Do you have an answer to that? Well, uh, I could say it's probably all the the art that I have here. Yeah, it's, it's very Renaissance, unique, old world. It's, yeah. Yeah, very cool. You know. You're showing us a picture now. It's wonderful. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of things were in the place when my mother bought them, and uh, a lot of other things I bought myself. I kept the style, you know. So, yeah, it's uh, uh, people like to stay here almost as if they they are having. A coffee or a drink in a museum. Yeah, yeah, I think that's very true. That's a good way to put it. Do you, of the people that you have seen come and go, is there somebody who's been coming there longest? To, I'm not even, not even necessarily a famous person, but just people who you you know have been here for the last twenty years who come in all the time. Well, even forty, fifty years, you know. I yeah. Mean, uh, a lot of famous lawyers. That you know, one time there were students here at NYU because right across across the street we have uh, NYU. They used to study there, and you know they kept on coming, and they're still coming. Yeah, as yeah. you know, customers. I'm sure there's been a lot of great music that has begun there. A lot of great writers have started famous books, famous stories. There movies. Yeah. Screenplays. You had, I mean, part of The Godfather was shot in your place, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the last important movie was The Sun is Also a Star. Uh, they shot about, from the entire movie, about 20, 25 minutes. You'll see my place in it. Uh, last Stop, Greenwich Village. I mean, a lot. I mean, Hard to count them all. So back to that question about why your place. I mean, I love the love the look of your place. I've been in your place when I've been in New York. Um, but there's got to be something something else in the DNA there. You know what I mean? That pulls people in, especially creatives, writers, musicians who want to be there. And like you say, sit with a cup of coffee all day. 
Uh, I'm very close to Cafe Greco in Rome. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. uh, so we have more or less the same style. We have the same, you know, China wear, you know. Yeah, see what you're showing me. Right. Even over here, this customer that's sitting next to me that's having tea. Hello, customer. Hello, customer. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so, you know, uh, we have the same China wear imported from Italy from uh, Richard Ginori. Hmm. So why that connection? Why that connection with Cafe Greco? Because of the same sort of, uh, um, you know, sort of like the the philosophy of what you want to do. Yeah. So in in closing here, uh, Fabrizio, the 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 idea that your cafe will continue on past you is probably likely, right? Because it's such a famous well, spot. I, I would like that my single daughter, when she's eighteen. One day after she finishes her her school and everything, she'll get into the idea of you know keeping the cafe with the building and everything. But it's not for us to say, mm. you know. In Italy, they always say that the first uh, generation makes it, the second. It tries to keep it and the third one you know squandering it. No. <laughs> well let's hope not <laughs> yeah, let's hope not right yeah well you've been a delight to talk to I hope I have a chance when I'm in New York to meet you I would love to meet you in person and, and uh, uh, your place is renowned and wonderful and long live uh, Cafe Reggio thank you now I just want to go to a cafe somewhere and sit for a long time, like the those in Vienna might say, where time and space are consumed, but only the coffee is found on the bill. One more note today, Writer Shed Press, Writer Shed Stories Volume 3 is officially out and available right now. You can find it on Amazon, paperback, and Kindle. Working on getting it into bookstores now, two independent places. 14 writers from all over the world, prose and poetry. I think you'll really like this edition. And uh, look at one and two also out there. The Writer Shed Stories, volumes for you to read. This has been episode 18 of The Writer Shed. I'm David W. Burner. Our music is from IRA Music, production and interviews produced inside the shed. You can find out more about Writer Shed Press at writershedpress.com and at The Writer Shed on Medium. You can also sign up for our newsletter there and find us on Twitter at Writer Shed Press. The Writer Shed, available wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.